Hello and welcome to another Potter's Podcast. This week's been better than last. Definitely. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Especially after last week. <laughs> yeah, um, we couldn't have been any more down last week, <laughs> really. Well, we, we tried to be positive. The women did well. We did, yeah. did do that. But that's literally as far as it went, really. But, uh, yeah, played Cardiff for town. A match that I didn't have little hope for, especially after the last two results. Form team as well, Cardiff. Inform Cardiff, even with Neil Harris. To this day, I don't know how he's got that job. <laughs> he must be like Chip Promoting's agent. Got him a cracking gig at PSG. Thought we were game in that interview. Yeah, good game. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we went out against Cardiff and won 2 0. Yeah. Fantastic result. We've just got to start getting some momentum now aren't we? Yeah. It's, it's, it's about getting this consistency right yeah. and again it's another a time where we're the underdog and we've won yeah instead of being like the last two games where it was against well not Preston so much but QPR where we 2 nil up and threw it away because yeah. we, we panicked the thing is we did it against Swansea in, in West Brom as two decent top end sides and got the result yeah it doesn't um, make a lot of sense as if when the when the pressure's on the other team, we sort of settle into the game a lot better. Than so I mean, we'll talk about it now. I mean, this this game, literally from the start to the start to the finish, we pretty much controlled the game. Nick Powell controlled the midfield. Um, Joe Allen was pressing. He, he played really well. Can't knock him at all. The defence looked sharp. They looked on it this time compared to the QPR and Preston game. And I mean, to be fair, both goals were scrappy, but. Before that, we looked in control. We were playing the ball round. Tyrus Campbell had a couple of chances breaking from the front. And his link-up play with Tom Ince when they're both on form is absolutely outstanding. I think Ince could have had that trick, really. He was everywhere. Yeah. He was yeah. absolutely everywhere. And it's, it's like, well, why can't you do this against Campbell the Campbell again. Campbell was Campbell having was chance brilliant. after yeah. chance. Um, he, he missed, he squandered a few, but he was always there and having, he was in the space to have the shots. The thing is, I think I think most Stoke fans would probably be expecting a reaction after QPR anyway. Well, we needed a reaction, we, yeah, because yeah. we dragged right back into yeah. it. Yeah, um, I mean, you looked at the table before QPR and before Preston and thought, well, if we could get four points out of these two, you could have been four or five places clear of the relegation, and then we, we lose at QPR and we're right back in it again. Well, we've had a question here. It's asking, do we reckon this time we'll kick on? Because last two times it's been like a little way we're going to push on, or is it going to be another full storm? The trouble is with this league, we've said it before, it's a tough league. It's a very anybody, tough league. Anybody can beat anybody on the day. I'd say it's probably the toughest league in the world, to be honest. Because yeah, not the many. ability is quite a level playing field. Because yeah, right anyone can beat anyone on any given day. There's yeah. no like, bottom can beat top, which we've seen There's this season. some sides where you think, all right, yeah, you, you, you ship goals for fun. Or, but even even when you look at like the Lutons and stuff, sometimes you look at the Veddy Prince on a Saturday and think, well, where have they got that result from? Oh, well, Just, they went up. They could beat Leeds, didn't they, at one point? Yeah. It's, the thing is, obviously, the, the only plus point is, in one sense, is we are winning at times. Yeah. And if you're at the bottom, majorly important. you've got to keep winning. It. Even if you lose the odd one or two, you've still got to keep picking up points somewhere. Um, and that's his only hope, really, isn't it? That well, yeah. I mean, but I mean to yeah. I mean, yesterday we did get that rubber, the rubber, the green, a bit of luck that we haven't had for a long time. I mean, the question here is, would we have scored if it wasn't for the defensive mistakes and Cardi? Well, the thing is, I know it sounds daft. It's nice to see it happen because we don't get them very often. We seem every time it gets a bit scrappy, we end up losing the ball oh, or it goes out for a goal kick. Yeah, goal kick, yeah. And you just think sometimes that happens. You well, need them in games, don't you? Well, I mean, I. <laughs> 
question here has, has Nick Powell got no shame claiming that first goal he <laughs> soon run off Alan Shearer running off going, that was never your goal yeah. mate <laughs> that was all Callum Patterson that one yeah, uh, he took, was... Callum took it well though you know shimmy in like that yeah. beautiful little thing keep it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's, it's, uh, Nick Powell didn't score his clear own goal I mean the ball came in then he dropped down and he, he had he, he couldn't do anything the lad couldn't no. just basically bounced off his foot power just put it on to him and goal yeah like you say I mean we've had no luck have we this season no, it it's not strong well, a little bit four years we haven't had yeah. any luck um, it's it, it's it's what's it in so you, you, sometimes it's just nice to see the tables turned and Stoke have a little bit of luck here and there well to be honest like I said before that this remark this the way we played against Cardiff reminded of Preston playing against us at home just Look, just ball. dominated the ball, dominated the play, but then both goals were scrappy and just tappings. And I think we've done what Preston did towards we've gone and done against Cardi. Thing is, though, I think if if you we have created a lot of chances under O'Neill, and then maybe a little bit what's it not not sort of converting. And and the thing is, you look at how many chances we've created yesterday. It doesn't matter whether it happens or not, does it? No. It, as long as you you're at least getting some that are going on target because I'd seen a few games this season where I go yeah we had 18 shots but three were on target and you're thinking it's not good enough <laughs> well I mean there's a good question here another one where it says uh, did you were you like me not feel, not felt confident at all half time that we'd comfortably go out and win the game I don't think anybody's comfortable no, no, I'm not comfortable <laughs> we could be 4-0 up and I'm not yeah. confident I'll be honest the thing is though don't you think that's been a Stoke fan for Many years, really. Heavy, really. <laughs> I mean, semi-final against Bolton. Yeah, that was comfortable. Yes. But even then, I was still going. Speed help, we're going to It's going to be one of them games. Uh, I, I think that the, the result on Saturday was a big indicator that they have got, they still have got fire to them, and they don't let the results like they did at the start of the season let them crumble and carry on in that same form. Yeah. Michael O'Neill's obviously got a, a clever way of picking them up and, and moving them forward. But it's something that Nathan Jones mentioned before he left about individual mistakes costing Stoke. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, we've all seen the improvement under O'Neill where it's been better to watch, we've been more attacking, we've been more right to the very end, we've, we've left everything out on the pitch and you just think we've still got them individual mistakes but we're playing a lot better at the same time. They, they seem more of a squad now yeah. compared to before, I mean getting I mean, getting rid of those players that had big egos and all that is, is the rightful way because this isn't a league for big egos, No, it, it never has been, it's no. never been a big, if, you, if you've got a big ego and you're dropping and you've got slug week in week out, they quickly get found out and uh, for me when we go into the second half I was expecting it, I was expecting us having to sit back for long periods but it wasn't, there was a short probably 10 minute period where we were sitting back and having to defend but then we started breaking and we, we never gave up on anything like the second goal came for him, a misplaced ball because we were putting, because I think it was Thompson put the right back under severe pressure by running at him and the ball went clear to I think Lucas and Lucas ran it up and it ended up beautifully dropping to Joe Allen and he put it away yeah, just had a little stab at it, didn't it? Yeah, just, it just felt, but that's what I mean, it just fell to him lovely, and yeah. we haven't had that luck before. We well, haven't we, had I that think luck. Sometimes we're a bit guilty of not getting enough bodies in the box. Yeah, yeah. So maybe Alan just, just being behind Campbell, 
it's having that extra body right in the the odds of it as well well we've got a question here what did you think of Jordan Thompson's performance well I mean a lot of people are saying he I thought he did well to be fair I thought for a player that doesn't really know this level doesn't really know it at all I thought thought he he did his job like I say he was the reason we got that second goal with Joe Allen he'd never give up on anything he he constantly ran Um, I don't think he's a winger because I don't think he's got the pace but I think in the future, maybe next season, he might be a bit of a mainstay in that midfield, especially yeah. with players like Joe, Joe Allen getting linked to leaving. Could he slot in that role? I, I rated him Saturday. I mean, the first time I saw him, I didn't. I'll be honest, <laughs> I didn't rate him against Preston, I didn't rate him against QPR, but he's playing in a, a role that he's, he's got experience in, but he, and no, it's not his position. So he did his job. And that's all you can yeah, ask for at this level. Yeah, I think I think maybe in the next couple of years you might find that players come down Stoke and maybe settle in a lot quicker than they have done because I think sometimes we used to bring players in and they'd start at Stoke and it's a bit of a baptism of fire because Stoke fans can turn quite quick sometimes. If you oh, they, they, well. oh yeah, they're very very. But at the moment, because it's that very sombre, we're very worried about what's going to happen next. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it's the up and down of it, isn't it? We yeah. don't know because I mean we get those two great results against West Brom and Preston, not Preston here. Swansea were thinking right promotions on. We well, I did anyway because <laughs> I'm I'm a hopeful optimist always have been, but this they still fought back. They still came back and did and did the same thing they fought back and they got another good result against Cardiff so you, you can knock them and you can't knock them at the same time and at the end of the day even after that goal was, again there was another little 10 minute period where Cardiff were pressing and putting us under pressure and attacking us hard but our defence held their own I mean again another mention for Danny Bat. I thought I slagged him off last week but he was a rock on Saturday an absolute rock in that, in that defence if he can gain some consistency he's already proved of late that he can do a good job Um, Mm. I mean the the West Brom game we said it before he was in Man Mountain yeah he he, he, he won everything yeah and and you just think well if he could have that same consistency every week I mean he'd be a mainstay in that squad but the problem is it's like a lot of players in our team on the day they are good players I think the biggest problem for me is with Danny, Danny Batts is he's always passing backwards, which is very frustrating. He was still doing that Saturday. You, you know, literally had all the pitch to aim his pass at, or long ball or short if he wanted. And he was going back to Jack Butland to put the long ball up. And we know Jack Butland isn't the best at kicking. We all know that. But a legendary great Gordon Banks couldn't kick. I mean, you've got to remember, I think it was Mike Pedrick or Denny Smith used to take the goal kicks because yeah. Gordon Banks couldn't kick. Now, the f- Simo wasn't very good either. No, Simo wasn't very good. But he passed it to Grefton the whole yeah, time. But I tell you what, he could save a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> that was what Simo was. Solo was good at penalties. Yeah, Solo well. was as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah Jack isn't. <laughs> but, <laughs> but well, he did that one against Chelsea. But I think that's his only every penalty saved. But Sorensen had a certain record at one point. He three in a row. Yeah, I think he saved yeah. three in a row. It, it was Stoke, Stoke goalkeeper. Good player he was, Sorensen. Probably the best free transfer we've ever had. He is, to be honest, if you put it down. It's good business, Sonson was. Very good business. Yeah. Because he, he was he was always loyal as well, even when he was third choice, he, he never moaned. No. Before he went to Australia. No. Uh, yeah, but like I say, the, the performance was there, it was a good result, and the, the only thing I can only sit there and hope on is that we properly push on this time and 
properly show what we can make of. I think I think the most impressive thing as well is is the fact that over the last couple of weeks we've lost a few through injury and mm-hmm. and we've just players have slotted in and done all right. Like if you're looking at yesterday's game, but um, that's what we need. We the, the problem is all season. It's like when Jones was losing his head. He just kept swapping and changing and swapping and changing. He was like, I had no idea what his next squad was going to be. Yeah. We've had, let's face it, McLean's been a decent footballer for us this year in a bad a bad season. Yeah. And yeah. We, he's, he's obviously out through injury and we've sort of changed it slightly in, in, in system slightly. Mm. And it, it's worked. Like you say, we, we've we got to go out and do it again next week. We, we, we said it against Swansea though, didn't we? The, the, the massive improvement in the last two games that you're thinking, right, we're going to go for it. And then the performance against Preston was, to be fair, they weren't terrible against Preston. They were just unlucky, really. Do, do you not but, think a little bit of Preston that, I mean, I remember you saying that a goal's going to win this game either way. Yeah, I did say that. Yeah. really flattered them a little bit, didn't you? Yeah. But there, there, there's no excuse for the QPR performance. There's literally no excuse to be two 0 up and lose it four two as pathetic. Really. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, defensively, and it's they, they deserve every every bit of anger they get for that because you can't you can't be two 0 up and losing four two. Doesn't matter how quick they are. And this is the problem. Like I was just mentioning there about Danny Batters. I don't think he does well when you make him mark. When you have to, when you, I notice when he's, you can see sometimes when he's marking somebody, he seems to get done easy. Yeah. and I think if he's the room because the thing is with him you expect him because he's this big bulking slow defender he's the better man to mark but the problem is he loses his positioning all the time and I think if you put Chester as the marker and let bat roll Roan you'd, you're probably going to get a better percentage and a better defender and like I say the, the 90 minutes call massive relief around the ground Cardiff got loads of sticks we all hate Cardiff we all know that they, they, they'll never live down the James McLean strike in the 18th minute they'll never live that down <laughs> one of the best strikes of my life that was I can remember going we're not going to do it again another playoff exit bang <laughs> we're going to do it <laughs> yeah great day that was as well and yeah so I'll tell you what we'll talk about we've had some great news this week we finally got rid of an absolute waste of space like we'd already won the game before it started yeah, it, was, it, the it was like the biggest result ever that <laughs> Johnny and Buell has been paid off and gone is it me though? What, what what point is his agent not going? What are you doing? Stop <laughs> Every club you go to, they go. We don't like you. Get out. Well, Lecce made that perfectly clear. Lecce yeah. Football Club that they said it's an absolute waste of space yeah. and a time wasted. Can't be bothered to work and training. Doesn't do well with others because he can't be bothered learning the language. And it sounds familiar. That does in many ways. Thing is, you can sort of get away with that sort of stuff. I always remember—is it on the ball or something? Where Roy Keane said that uh, Cantona used to get special treatment, and everyone used to go, "Yeah, boss, but yeah, but then he'd score the winner on yeah, Saturday." Yeah. If you if you greatness and you're a bit of an arse, yeah, you can sort of get away with it when you're in Bula's level. It's yeah, like, where you crap. You <laughs> where you don't turn up. You've had got one good season. Yeah. Where, you, where you got impressed, and then come to Porto. Ate you, yeah. Stoke. Ate you. <laughs> heard a lot of stories about top players who maybe aren't that great at training and aren't that committed to club rules and stuff like that. But then on the Saturday they win you the game, and 
And you can get away with it. You can't get away with it. He can't get away with anything. No, he's a disgrace. Disgrace yeah. of a play. And apparently he could end up in the Russian second tier now at Sochi because they're willing to give him a contract. Well, good luck, Sochi. Yeah, Make sure well. it's not a long and one-year contract. 20, 20 pence a week. It's quite strict in Russia. We'll get like whips. Or yeah, probably will do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> one minute late. <laughs> oh, that's better off at Stoke. <laughs> absolute brilliant news that was is, yeah, especially after the game as well we won 2-0 confidence has been high and then Stoke make that unclear yeah. that, that he's not coming back ever again the thing is though as well I mean players who were playing for Stoke when in Bula first come in the Prem have all talked very negative <laughs> about him but there's players in today's squad that will have met him because yeah. he's obviously been at Stoke at some point. Yeah, he's been, he's been for pre-season trainings and stuff exactly. to sort out alone. So there's probably other players who've had to deal with him going, what on earth is, is going on here? And, and you just think, we're taking these bad apples off one at a time. Yeah, now. they're slowly going now. Yeah. They're slowly going now. The biggest uh, ring round his neck now is getting rid of Kevin Vimmer. But yeah. once we get rid of him, I think it's... Where is Vimmer? He's on loan in the bottom tier. And now he's in the he's in the Premier League. Because we, we had the thingy. Uh, the Al Twatico, didn't we, last week? Yeah. Where Barry and Neil met Kevin Vimmy. There's another one gone. <laughs> That's, I'm still, <laughs> yeah. still smiling about Barry and Neil going. Oh. That was a great decision. But I tell you what, there is a lesson to be learned from Simon, Janney, and Bueller. Pay the extra couple of million and get your number one it's target. Always, yeah. That's how it works there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we'll be complaining now, still in the Premier League of Alex Mitchell. I just think as well, was it Lecce last year? No, Lecce this year. Who was it last year? Can you remember? <sighs> No he went somewhere and, and, and they weren't happy straight away and it, it, no, I'm not sure where it was now actually I can't remember but he went and I think within about 8 weeks he's already said we don't want him he's got a terrible attitude was it Udinese or somewhere uh, I'll tell you where it is now actually um, it was it was Rayo Vallecano yeah. in Spain and straight away they said we can't be done with him and I just think when you're interviewing a player he should be a quite a good judge of character as well. It's not just about. Yeah, but no, no, he might be. He might be like, "Hey, I'm Johnny and Bueller. How are we? Okay." You're laughing. We'll, we'll have him. We'll have him. We'll have him. He's yeah. buying costas. <laughs> I bet he's he bought them pizzas as well on yeah. Pizza Night. Yeah. On deadline day, where they made the big, biggest mistake in history of Stoke. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think he doesn't strike me as somebody who's the big bubbly character. <laughs> like come in and go. Everybody, I've brought us all champagne. Get him signed up. <laughs> he's, he's brought, he's brought donuts. Get, get him in. Get, not just cheap ones. He's gone. He's gone all out. He's maybe, gone crusties. Maybe we just have no concept of an interview. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But all I can say, like I said before, is get your number one target and pay the extra eight million yeah. and get that one you actually it's want. Or if you can't, stick to what we've already got. Yeah, just go ahead and leave it. Grab him on loan. Yeah, we'll leave it then. <laughs> The thing is, though, I mean, I know, I know, in like in Portugal and Spain, the the, the football they rot on about success. And when he was at Porto, at the end of the day, he, he got booed week in week he out. He got booed when he was on the pitch because he yeah. didn't want him playing. So, no. but then Stoke go, yeah, we'll have him. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll take him on. I think he's we've heard he's a good player once for yeah. one season. He played great in pre-season against Stoke. All he does, get him in. <laughs> He said, who is honestly, trust me. He couldn't even lace his boots, let's the be honest. The thing is, you can't base a player's ability on a pre-season game. No. You just can't. Well, it was, de- it was desperation, wasn't it? Because we, that entire January window, we were discussing getting Alex Witzel in. 
in which we were because it was all over the press even Vitzel was talking about Stoke in, in talks and that he'd fallen out with Zenit St Petersburg because he just didn't want to be there anymore because you've got to remember at that time he was week in week out on the Belgian side Belgium were doing well he was really yeah. impressing and, and, and you're thinking 23 million is a bit of a bargain actually yeah. for a player of that ability yeah. who's rising through the ranks of European football as a midfielder let's get him mm. but instead we go oh no we're at budget on 18 million but we're in debt anyway the cost of financial fair do play think, anyway do you not think as well though because obviously Mbula coming to replace in Zonzi didn't he yeah he was the second pick because remember we had Van Jinkel till January yeah but we sold in Zonzi for 7 million yeah yeah. If we'd have sold him for the right money, which, as far as I'm concerned, at the time, was probably one of the best midfielders in the league. He was definitely... That was, final season. That final season, Stephen Zondi was, was out of this world. He was out of this world as a player. He destroyed me, Liverpool in the last seven game. Seven millions, the, the biggest kick in the teeth ever. Well, that, that's, that goes down to the board, though, not, not making sure that... Because, I mean, normally when you have a player that you don't think is going to stay... You normally sell him the year before his final contract, so you get maximum profit profit from the sale. Yeah. But we didn't because he wasn't really playing. He was still a good, a great player, but he wasn't that elite class till that final season at Stoke, and then he, he really shone. And, and Zonzi did do a, an interview not long ago when he went to Galatasaray on loan about Stoke, and he said he had to do it. He had to, he had to move because he wanted to play for France. He wanted to win tournaments. He was in the last kickings of his career, and and that's just just how it works out yeah I mean you can't fault the lad at the end of the day did he, did he go and get a World Cup medal and stuff like that he was a part of the France team yeah he won, he won a Europa League with um, Atletico yeah he won a no not Atletico Sevilla once he Sevilla, won the UEFA yeah. Cup with Sevilla then went on but you just think we had players who could slot into Inzonzi's position temporarily whilst we got the right man in and I just think if we'd have sold him Zonzi for the right money, because as far as I'm concerned back then, he was easy worth 20 million. Oh yeah, oh, easy. he's more than that. I easy. think he, he was a great player. Yeah, so if you think about it logically, you got 20 million, you're willing to spend 23 million, you could have the pick of what you wanted, you probably could have got another two bodies in as well if you needed to. You'd yeah. have 40 on, if you're willing to spend yeah. 23, but well, you've only bought seven back. The, the thing that so I've, I, keep, I, I keep saying, I keep saying with it though, with, with him, for how important and how key he was to the Stoke midfield at the time, I don't understand why, for, for the sake of seven million, I would have gone, sorry Steve, you're staying for one more year. Yeah. and then you can go for free. You can go wherever you want after that point. Because yeah. you might as well have gone for free for the amount of money you earn. Because the way you look at it, the Imbula deal, Stoke were willing to spend £16 million of their own money and then they've used that Nzonzi money for bringing Bula in. If we'd have sold him for the right money, we'd have had £36 million mm. and we could have looked at Vitzel and gone, well, we could actually offer him the right yeah, sort of contract. Yeah, we could straight away get him what he wants and give him a good five-year contract with a buy-in clause that yeah. where someone's got paid £60 million and to get And he'd in like for like. And he would have just stood. Now I think he would have been better. Yeah. I, think, I think at times Vitzel is a better player yeah. I think he's a stronger holding midfielder and you know it would have been a better signing but right the Potts Podcast listeners are going to be in for a right shoot now we've got a special guest it's Angela Smith we all know her from Not FM on the sports sports show on Sunday and she was known to be an Olympic uh, badminton player of the day one of the best in the in the world at one point and uh, she ended up becoming a school teacher but yeah. we're going to get her on now here we go so, hello, Angela. Hi. Hi, welcome to the Potters Podcast. 
Delighted to be with you. Good, good. Right, so we'll get into it straight away. So, were you happy with the results on Saturday? I'm happy when we win, however we play. Uh, they're so rare wins this season, so yeah, I was especially happy because I thought Cardiff would provide a much tougher test than they did, in all honesty. I know, I didn't expect anything, to be honest. I mean, especially the way we're playing, we're like a yo-yo at the moment. We don't know if we're coming or going, do we? No, no, particularly after Queen's Park Rangers, that was a bit of a kick in the teeth. I know, it was a kick in the teeth. So, I mean, you, you do a lot of work with the, with the, with the what's it called, the Sports Council team, is it, whatever it is, for the Stoke? Yeah, Sporters Council, yeah. That's the one. So, how, does, how did that start? How did that get going? Uh, well, I was asked, um, Malcolm Clark, who's, um, who's been a, a Stoke fan all his life and has a lot to do with the Football Supporters Association, um, he put a proposal to the club that we should have a council and we, people were asked to apply and I applied and got voted on and uh, you, you stand for two years and then if you want to stand again you have to be voted on by the fans and the one thing I like about the supporters council is it's uh, it's fans speaking to the club for fans voted on by the fans and it's completely democratic so if people don't agree with you then they don't vote you on next time and half the people are voted on one year and half the next so there's always some continuity but um, it's not an easy task because obviously when you're talking to the the CEO of the club um, he has different priorities than yourself he looks at the bottom line of the football club uh, which is understandable because football is a big business we just want the best for the fans so sometimes there's a bit of headbutting. Uh, but by and large I have to say that compared to most football clubs in fact I go so far as say as nearly every football club uh, Stoke speak to the supporters far more than anybody else well, that's that's good to know. I mean, for everybody at home who doesn't understand how it works, what normally happens in the in the meetings? Well, we sit down with uh, the chief exec and the different management of the club, uh, commercial, community trusts, health and safety, security. Um, we have a list of questions which we tend to talk through the week before we go into the meeting. Basically, supporters can write to the chair at the supporters council whenever they want and, um, and put forward a question and, and, and we ask any questions. We don't duck any questions. We ask them the questions. If they can't answer straight away, we expect an answer fairly swiftly and uh, we've managed over the, over the years that I've been involved to keep, help keep season ticket prices low. Um, I know they haven't gone up for, for 11 years now, but there was a real indication that they might have gone up the last year in the Premier League. Uh, we've certainly managed to keep the free transport for the away league matches. That would have gone without any shadow of a doubt. Um, and, and we've also helped to get the dis disability situation with, with the areas where people uh, sit with varying types of disabilities they have a much better outlook on the game now and, and this the actual facilities they have are, are better that couple alongside the things we do for people with alzheimer's and disabilities and we've tried to help out with things like the big sleep out um so we do quite a lot i think for the fans but there's always a lot more you can do and there'll always be people that um that don't appreciate what supporters do but every single person that is on that council uh, does it voluntarily and uh, sometimes it's a bit difficult uh, when people have a go at other people who give up the time for nothing you know but that's life you just do it because you want to uh, there's no rewards for it but the reward most of us get is we try to do the best for Stoke and for ourselves. Well it's a, it's a great thing for the fans anyway having having people who are fans on the council but one thing we're going to have to say is he's not flavour of the month at the moment and that's Tony Scholes and what's he actually like? Uh, as a human being, 
um, Tony is the sort of bloke that I quite happily have a drink with, not talking about football, not talking about being counting or, or being an accountant. I think he's a thoroughly decent human being. In his role as the chief executive of the football club I support, then um, I've crossed swords with him many times on, um, on things such as the booking fee for tickets, which I, I would prefer as not to have instituted this year, but uh, they have. Um, and I don't think that uh, some of the things that have happened in the club, which are, are well-known, um, signing of players, uh, different things regarding wage caps and salary caps, if they're all true, because, of course, we never know the full extent of financial information at the club, then I'd question some of the decisions. But uh, as a human being, he's OK. As a CEO, I think uh, the fact that he's been in position as long as he has uh, means that the owners of the club... Um, are happy with him and um, that will have to be the answer I give because they ultimately own the club and if they weren't happy I'm sure he wouldn't be there. Well, that's it, yeah. I mean, he's not exactly well-liked at the moment, but like I say, we we don't really know what's being said or done behind the scenes because everything's sort of kept us hush and quiet, really. Um, yeah, but I don't I don't think it's a matter of um, us liking him or not, if I'm being honest. Oh, true, think, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think the, the thing is he's there to do a job for the owners and, and I, to be honest, I don't think he will care. Everybody wants to be liked, but I think he probably has realised many years ago that he isn't liked. He's never going to be liked. And every single thing he does for the club will be scrutinised and, and fans will always try and take the, the view that it's wrong because um, he has got a reputation which, whether it's earned or not now, will stay with him as long as he's at the football club. Mm. Would you say that's untenable? Do you reckon, that's, do you reckon he'd ever get that back or...? No, I don't think that will ever change where Tony's concerns. Pottery's people, um, they call a spade a spade, and if they don't like you, they very rarely change their mind. And, um, you, you know, little things like um, getting... People see in the, that he's got so much uh, increase, however the increase was made. Um, as you know, I found the football club, you probably do know, that I was fed up of reading their paper, he'd have this massive rise, but uh, nobody had found out what it was for. And I rang the club as myself, not as a member of the supporters' council, and asked why he got the money. And the answer was he got a cost of living increase, as every other member of staff supposedly had, and the rest was his pension rights. Well, um, everybody in work is entitled to a pension. Unfortunately, fans will see that he has um, a huge salary, which many will see as obscene, um, myself included. But that, as Peter Coates said, is the going rate for a chief executive. So part of it is jealousy from us all. I'd love to be sitting... I, I don't think I'd mind too much if somebody detested me, if I was getting the, the thickest part of a million pounds a year for, uh, for looking after a football club. So uh, I think it's inevitable that people will dislike him. Well, it's true. If, if if I was getting paid a million pound a, a week a year, everyone could hate me for love the money. I would care. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just wondering, isn't that what I'm getting for a period on this podcast? Otherwise, <laughs> <we're going over. laughs> uh, I think I've got a penny here. If you, if <laughs> 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 rust free, <laughs> uh, we'll get we'll go into that now. Uh, you're not FM. Uh, your sports sat Saturday show. Uh, Sunday, sorry, your Sunday sports show. It seems to be a big hit. I mean, you know quite well I'm a. Uh, voice on that and uh, how did that start how did you get going on that uh, to be honest that was um, Gareth Eakin and myself uh, started up the Not FM station with uh, 
we decided we'd try and put something back in the community and, and we, we were based at the YMCA originally uh, but the station got too big for the YMCA and um, it just started out of trying to help kids at the YMCA get get something that they could do in their free time um, and, and, it, and the sports show became the biggest hit and has been going for what seven years now um, it's we had some great times because obviously in the Premier League it was fantastic to report on uh, let's all do the Wenger and beating oh, Manchester yeah. United <laughs> and getting to the cup final and uh, rubbing other people's noses in it on clubs we couldn't stand and um, now it's not so exciting to be talking about losing at certain clubs but we, we enjoy doing it. Um, I think it's the, one of the biggest hits for it is that uh, we're not bound by uh, anything other than common decency. We don't allow swearing, as you know, on the show, yeah, but yeah, yeah. we don't have to count out to people telling us that there's got to be an ad break or uh, we can have competitions which the BBC can't. And it's genuinely Stoke fans talking about Stoke. And you know what? The, the saddest thing is that, and you probably know this yourself from, from your podcast, um, when the team does badly, you know you're going to be more busy than when the team does well um, because people just want to vent the spleen and, and say what a rubbish football team and, and so-and-so should never have been bought by the club. And when you play well, it's just expected. I mean, we did a show, as you know, earlier tonight and, and Tom Ince didn't get half the battering he normally gets because we won. Yeah, I mean, there yeah. were still people that were saying he should never be on the pitch and I could, I could use other people as an example, but he seems to be the player that uh, most... Uh, disliked at the moment and even he got uh, good praise by most people tonight so that's how it started we love it uh, we don't plan to stop it and uh, we're very thankful for the interaction we get not only locally but as you know Ian people throughout the world listen we've got lots of listeners in Brazil and Spain and some really ob ob sort of obscure places like Iran and Iraq where we can only assume uh, that there are people in the military who are, who are working away so we're, we're very proud of what we've achieved but it's it's everybody's show we just front it you know without, without the listeners like yourself it, it wouldn't work yeah, it's a fantastic show. I mean, I, I'm always listening every week. Sometimes I have to vent myself, can't help it. I mean, like, I mean, like you said there, where we shouldn't have bought. I think that's the entire squad for the last four years, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you think about it. True. Uh, we get moaned at every week. Yeah, we get moaned at, so we've got to be cheery all the time now. It's all great. <laughs> uh, so, another thing. So, we'll go now into more your, your footballing starts and where you where it all started so when did you first become a Stoke fan when did that start I didn't have a choice um, yeah, I my, my dad's best friend was a guy called Billy Williams who was the club secretary who lived across the road from us um, my dad was one of these people and my mum actually they went to Stoke one week in the Vale the next and um, I'm very disappointed to report that the first match I ever went to was a, a Vale match Ooh. because my mum and dad couldn't get a babysitter I believe I was 10 months old at the time so it hasn't scarred me too much <laughs> uh, but I didn't get on with my dad too well everybody said we were too similar and uh, whenever we had an argument which was quite often I would always end it by saying I've never liked you since you took me to the Vale for the first match um, <laughs> it was said slightly tongue in cheek but um, I, I was born into a, a, a Stoke family um, I have one or two relatives that played for the Vale but I've I've been a Stoke fan all my life, so uh, I've gone from a very early age, and one of my first memories of, of, of going to Stoke, and I was quite young, uh, was um, 
he used to run up and down the old wooden boot Butler Street stand and I remember coming home from a match and mum saying to me you won't be able to do that anymore because Stan's coming back I had no idea who Stan was I didn't care and then I remember the first time I probably really watched the match was because it was Stan Matthews return and uh, I just remember we were walking past what to me was a sea of knees because it was quite little <laughs> and I couldn't move because the place was full and I think that was probably when I started taking a real interest because I was very young and I've supported Stoke all my life and um, even when I've played my own sport I've, uh, I've never ever tried to miss a game. I've come back from some uh, tournaments around the country and watched a half and then gone back or got there at half time and watched the second half. I'm, I think I'm probably as, as good a fan as the next and um, even now to this day it ruins my weekend or the next day after a match if we don't win. I mean we've had a lot of ruined weekends in the past two or three years and uh, <laughs> a black cloud is permanently in Bucknell I think. <laughs> Yeah, there's been a lot of bad results, haven't there? I mean, I mean, what was watching Stanley Matthews like? Because, like I say, I'm only 33, so you know, it's, it's just... so two years younger than me then. Um, <laughs> I, uh, Stan, I was lucky enough to meet after he'd played. Um, I was I was part of the Stanley Matthews Foundation for a while. He was um, I never saw him play at his best. I mean, he was 40 odd uh, when I saw him play, but uh, he was a really special man. And the one thing that I'm very proud of, and I think we should all be proud of, of this city is two of the greatest legends in in football and possibly world sport played for our football club, and that's Stanley Matthews and um, and Gordon Banks. And I think one of the biggest tragedies of, of, of life is that Gordon never got the honour he deserved. Yeah, but true. they were both great sportsmen and um, absolutely loved this football club and, and both loved this city. So I think we should be very proud because uh, there aren't many football clubs can say they've got two brilliant players, two legends of the game, and they both played in the red and white stoke. I think we had a few more than a couple of legends though, isn't there? I think you, you've got to put Neil Franklin up there. Is yeah, the yeah, but Neil, Neil, unfortunately, in the eyes of the FA, blotted his copybook when he went to play in Bogota for a season, and that's why he never played for England again. But I would agree with you. I look, look, the word legends overused, but in terms of, of sporting greats, I mean, uh, to me, Gordon Banks is the greatest goalkeeper ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. Um, I don't think too many people would disagree with that. Even even Jack Butland would say that most people know. There was another keeper around the same time called Levy Ashin who was Russian and he said Gordon was the best. Pele said Gordon was the best and Sir Stan really was the best winger. I don't think many people would argue with that. No, no one will argue with that, especially Gordon Banks who was the greatest, it's simple as that. And I can say that as a person who never saw him play. Uh, well I did once I think it was the last match at the Victoria ground and he put yeah. on his boots and played and that, that's the only time I can officially say I've seen him play because of course he retired long before I was born you're uh, just rubbing it in a bit now about my I, age well but, I'm um, sorry but you know you, uh, yeah. you've well, got Stanley Matthews play that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I will say about Gordon that um, you you couldn't like you, you normally find this with people who are top class athletes and um, he was a genuine human, genuinely nice man as was Stan but when people talk about Gordon uh, they talk about the save he made against Pelé yeah. and um, I had, I'd, I'd sat with Gordon uh, on several occasions and he, he still maintains that um, 
He made two better saves than that. One was uh, a Ron Davies header, which I actually saw at the old Victoria ground. It was a fantastic save he made. But the one he thinks was even better than that was, uh, and I was at that game too, and um, I remember this, Jeff Hurst penalty save oh, yeah, in the yeah, semi-final. Yeah. And um, you've only got to look, if you watch the old black and white footage on a pitch that was like porridge, you've only got to look <laughs> at the Stoke players, Terry Conroy, Mick Pedic, who was probably guilty of giving away that penalty, leaping up in the air because Jeff Hurst hit a ball like a bullet and Gordon just tipped it over the bar and we all know what happened after that. So mm. that was the save he, he said on many occasions was the best one he ever made. But it's great to, to, to know that um, somebody like that's got, got a place in sporting history, as I say, that, that played for Stoke. But what a lovely bloke he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah my thoughts exactly. He was a fantastic man for him. Because I think my dad met him at one point and said he was nothing but nice. I talked to him the, the best way he could do, really. And my dad was a player at the time before his knee went and he was trying to give him advice on, you know, you've got to shimmy like this, you've got to be like Terry running down the wing. My granddad met him yeah. in a calf every, every week. And he always spoke to him all the time. Yeah. Still, so just a dead down to earth bloke. Yeah. We're probably sure yeah, to that in, in, in the team now. Yeah. As some genuine hard working footballers, that's probably where we've lost a little bit over the last sort of four or five years. Well, I think, one of, don't you think one of the problems now, not just with us, but with, um, look, money, money changes sport, money changes life anyway, but one of the biggest problems that I think we have, and we've all been crying out as supporters, is you need a local, you want the local element in your team. Okay, we've got Tom Edwards, uh, but it's different now because uh, players, uh, they earn so much money um, from an early age that they don't have the same desire to keep the shirt on on their back, the red and white shirt, that, that any of us, you, me, any of us would die to wear that shirt. You know, we'd be just so proud to put it on. But the, what, the problem, the thing that we forget is that we're fans and it's their job. Yeah, and if man, somebody man. offered you tomorrow uh, X amount of pounds more to do your job, you'd move. Oh, so there's not the same loyalty um, and the same desire to win uh, as as there used to be with the likes of, of, of Johnny Marsh, Dennis Smith. You could go through all the, the back four yeah, of, the, no of the team and, and a few players after, Alan mm. Dodd, players like that. Mm, totally um, but, but, but then you can go even further forward to the likes of Conroy and Greenoff and Jimmy Robertson uh, who've never left the area because yeah. there's something about this place um, that if you live here, and it's most more often than not the people, you fall in love with this place. Um, unfortunately, we've had players that come in, they don't live in Stokes, they live in Audley Edge or Wilmslow or Solihull, yeah. so they never really become part, in, this is just my opinion, part of the community. And um, so there's a, there's a detachment, there's a detachment anyway because they live in a different world than us financially. But I think that that is one of the biggest problems for Stoke, that we don't have this hard core of local people who, we call a spade a spade in Stoke, I've said that, but people work hard for the money, very hard for the money in this city. And we've always had a hard working team and, and we've lost that now. And we started to lose that um, after the Tony Pulis era. Yeah. Mark Hughes got some great results for us, but when you buy skillful players like the Arnies, um, if and the Shakiris, if things don't go great, then maybe they don't have the same sort of uh, heart in, in in the shirt as as we used to. And I think that's the biggest thing that's sad about Stoke now for me. There's not the same um, 
you look at the team we've got on the pitch now and a lot of people will say that they can't wait for some of these players to go because there's, they've got nothing in common with them or, or they don't like the way they play for the club Ryan Shawcross is probably uh, the last of the legends that, and, and I'm not saying Ryan's a legend in terms of his ability but in terms of how, how he has stayed at the football club and how hard he's worked and he's been there right the way through the good times he's still there now we've missed him this season um, he's the last I think of, of, of a breed we'll have for a while because Tyrese Campbell he's not a local lad yet he's come through from Manchester City Tom I hope he makes it and I hope he continues but you know what the under 18s the lads in the under 18s I think that's the next crop of players that will do well for our football club well, you're right. I mean, the, the the element of the local lad has sort of died with, for me with Wilco, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Didn't have the talent, but damn, he worked hard. <laughs> There's no think, question. I don't that. think a lot of that Tony Pulis side were massively talented. You just had eleven players who give hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, and that's what we have to every Stoke, week. Yeah, that's what we're after. Yeah. So the the thing is, they lived and died for the shirts, even if they weren't from around Stoke. Yeah. And that's what Pulis brought to Stoke. It wasn't that pretty, but. At the same time, it, it, it worked, didn't it? Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah, he, he, was, he was a great manager, to, uh, Tony Pulis was. Well, he's the best I've seen, Yeah. to be honest. Like, I mean, I'm not going to put Chris Kamara up there or <laughs> Brian Little on or something, you know. He's got me top. Uh, right, I'm going to put you, on, put you on the spot now with some seriously tough questions. Probably. Right. Uh, Favourite ever player? Jimmy Greenoff. Jimmy, you same as my dad. My dad's favourite player was Jimmy Green. Your dad, your dad's obviously got good taste. Well, I wasn't born, so. Throw <laughs> <laughs> that in together, boy. Tell you now, there is not a finer volleyer of a football in the world ever than Jimmy Greenoff. Nicknamed the King of Volleys, wasn't he? Yeah, wasn't he? I didn't know that. Yeah, he was nicknamed the King of Volleys. Yeah, uh, and I think his other nickname was the finest player not to play for England. Yeah. Uh, brilliant player. I, I remember growing up because I was forced to support Stoke as well literally had no choice <laughs> we had a granddad and a dad who was forced me down and, and at the time Stoke were in the old second division when I was growing up watching Stoke uh, luckily enough to see players like Steen and Sharon for example but my dad said no they're rubbish come come watch this and he like, put <laughs> old tapes on of Jimmy Greenoff and Terry Conroy and whoever he could get hold of and it's something that I think is missing at times that we don't have these sort of legends nowadays compared to all because as soon as they become good they leave don't they? like my hero yeah. up was Mike Sherrin because yeah. him and him and storage week in week out would bury goals away and yeah absolutely and it's and then before long they're gone and it's it, it's it must have been a great time to be back to the 70s to watch not just a good side a great side for the English league at the time it must have been absolutely brilliant like uh, Hudson as well and and well, he was my second favourite, Alan Hudson. Um, he was brilliant. But uh, just interrupting, I'm sorry. People talked about the team that uh, were in the Premier League, but uh, honestly, the team at 72, 73, 74 was just as good, if not better. Oh, it was miles better. It won a trophy, and that's <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the big saying. Right, so another tough one. Who's the worst ever player? My goodness. <laughs> God, there's, a, there's a list for them. Carl <laughs> um, one's on mine. <laughs> I, I would let me think about that for a minute. I'm undecided. You might know which two players I'm thinking about. There was a goalkeeper 
who uh, we had, who wasn't very good. And there was a fullback we had that wasn't, in fact, there's loads. Just go on to the next one, I'll, I'll have to work that out. <laughs> <laughs> Right, another another difficult one. Will Stoke go up in the next in the next ten years? Do you yes. see? You see it? Yes. That's a lot of positivity. You have to explain why you think that. To be honest, you have to. Well, I'll, I'll tell you now why I think. Um, I think that the famous lessons have been learned, will be learned this year. I think we've stumbled across a manager that's sane, rational, uh, understands the financial difficulties we're going through and um, has the ability, given that where we were when he came in, and I thought we were definitely doomed when he came in, uh, has managed to give us more than a fighting chance of, of getting out uh, of the relegation fight. They clearly respect him, and I think he's a, he's a hard-working, intelligent man who wants success, and I think he will get success at Stoke City. Mm, I like that. I'll take that. Take that all week. Our fans are going to love this positive. <laughs> They're going to love this positive. It's been such a positive part this week. <laughs> it depends on the three. I might erase it. <laughs> it was gone to three now, has it? I've got. i got a feeling the goalkeeper's Neville Southall, but I don't know. no, it wasn't. It wasn't Neville Southall. Right. Uh, got any other questions? Any? Any more? Because I think that, I thought that. Uh, one, I knew we'd put the toughest one in. Well, I just want to go back to what you're saying about the supporters' council. Um, we went to Derby a couple of weeks ago. And we just thought the whole pre-match atmosphere was a lot better than it is at Stoke. I would agree. Um, there's obviously stalls where you can buy a kit from on the other side of the ground. There was music, lights, different food. I just every thought, food, every yeah, food, you yeah. could you could have absolutely everything. There was games for kids. Uh, I just thought the whole match atmosphere was a lot better than yeah, it was at it's Stoke. Not, it's not just go in the ground and wait no, about. You could end. actually go to the ground. You wouldn't need to go to the pub. You could. Yeah go to the ground for an hour or two and, and just have a, a wander around really I just thought well, do you not see Stoke let, ever doing something like that let me ask you a question then uh, and then I'll answer your question um, if if you want to see effectively a fan zone which is what you're talking about at yeah, Stoke yeah. Uh, where are you going to put it well, one thing I've been talking about for a long, long time is I don't understand why a, a top-flight football club's got a car park. Well, that that car park, um, if the club, if the stadium was built now, uh, Stoke would have a third of the car parking space um, that that they have now. So, um, in those days, they were allowed to have that massive car parking. Now they wouldn't have those those car parking spaces. So uh, that that land, if they'd have bought that land at the time, you could. But but we are where we are, and I'm asking you now again: where would you place the? Where would you place that? Would you remove a car park and and put a fan zone there? No, well, well no. Uh, if you think about where Derby's stalls were, they weren't actually. Some of it wasn't in a big area. It was actually just down the side of the stand. So if you think of the yeah. area behind the Boothen end, and as you're going round towards the family stand there's still enough room around there for put different food stalls maybe a, a, a kit stall same as Derby had to just get because the thing is people come off the coaches and think oh I don't really fancy walking all the way around to the club shop yeah. if they only had to walk down towards the Boothen and get a top maybe it's the first ever game they're going to yeah. they could just generate a little bit more money from the other side of the ground I mean there is. I think there is things they could do around the ground now where they could introduce different sort of food 
places. Oatcakes being one. I mean, oatcakes is one. I mean, it's unbelievable that we're in the land of Stoke-on-Trent and we haven't got an oatcake store. No, but you can you can buy um, you can buy oatcakes in, in in the ground, can't you? Yeah, but they aren't the best. <laughs> no, I know though. what you're saying. I know what you're saying, but um, uh, I, we do constantly talk to um, to the club about improving their match day experience in terms of of having some sort of fan zone. And, and the one thing that uh, people were talking about was maybe knocking uh, a wall through Delilah's and letting people go in there at half time. You've got all sorts of health and safety problems mm. with that. But um, I will bring it bring it up a, again um, with, without any shadow of a doubt and see if we can, we can uh, get anywhere with that. Well, I mean, I think it'd bring more money into the club, really. I mean, at the end of the day, there's, there's one shop which is at the front. You saw art if you're in the main stand. Cause it's lovely in there, to be honest. Yeah, it is. It's compared to the other three, other stands, because I've been at all of them except the main stand, except for a women's game. I went to see the women play, and and we we, we found it quite luxurious. Yeah, in the, it is. It's lovely <laughs> in the main, main stand. But the what thing did is, you think of the women's game? Oh, it's brilliant at the moment. I can't Good. not. We we discuss the women every week on the podcast. Um, I can't be more proud of how the women are playing. They're absolutely destroying everybody they're playing. No, can't be more proud of the women. The only thing we were a little bit ashamed of, weren't we, on the day, was one, they played in last season's kit. Yeah. Which I think, yeah. I don't see why they're not playing in this season. I, think, I don't think they get funded enough. To and they didn't let, let the ladies use the 1863 suites for their after-match meal. They had to go to the Power League, which I just thought, well, they're still part of Stoke City. Why are they not... To, to be honest, I think they should be playing at the Britannia a hell of a lot more than they do. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you we, I've had this discussion, uh, we as the council have had this discussion, but um, I, I'm not speaking out of turn when you are correct that the ladies get very little funding. Uh, and the club answer would be that uh, whilst they do support the ladies, Stoke City Football Club is primarily a men's football team. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, particularly being female. I, I, I believe in, you know, fair fair, and equality for everybody. But um, at the time when they're losing fans anyway, and anybody that says Stoke aren't losing fans is, is not telling the truth. Yeah, I can, um, can sympathise a little bit, uh, but not a lot. I think the feel-good factor for the club should go all the way through the club, and the ladies at this moment in time are doing better than the men. Yeah. Now that we hope doesn't last forever because obviously it's, uh, we want the men's team to do well, um, and it, the women do spend a lot of money to go to away matches themselves. They they spend money um, to to buy extra training facilities, uh, you know, to get extra training, and they do use uh, last year's kit. But I, I do hope, and we are going to keep trying that. Um, that they get a little bit more recognition for what they do. So thanks for, for the support for the ladies, and I'll, I'll pass that on, because I know that they're, they're very keen to, to have the support of everybody, so I'll pass that on if you don't mind. Well, that's brilliant, yeah, because I've been trying myself to try to get some of the, late, the ladies actually on the pod, like interviewed and that, but I can't seem to get it, because like I say, it's hard when you make it a podcast to learn how to get in touch with people well i'll tell you what after this i'll, I'll um well in the next couple of days i'll send you a couple of messages and i'll i'm sure i can get a couple of the ladies to speak to you oh that's brilliant yeah yeah that's absolutely fantastic that's what we've been after really because they're doing so well i want i want to know why and how <laughs> it's about, it's about more about the well ladies i thought you were wanting to talk to me but really you've just wanted to tap up my contacts so oh, yeah, yeah. there you go if we you can't. want to know the player now that i thought was uh 
really bad for us. It was John Clark. He was a defender from Scotland. Um, so um, it's Clark, spelt uh, K L A R K. Sorry, C L A R K. Never so not um, not like Clyde Clark, but he was a defender from Scotland, and I'm sure people will have their own opinions of him. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, you don't know him. We'll have to look him up. <laughs> Whereabouts did he play? He was a fullback. In, in when what era though? What era did he play? Uh, I think it was late seventies. Late seventies. That's why I don't know that. Early eighties. <laughs> might have been even early eighties. In fact, it might have been early eighties. Ricky Darcy will tell me he's garbage. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll, he probably won't be, well I hope he doesn't uh, go too hard on him, but he didn't have a good time at Stoke. Is it, who were the other ones then you, you were scared thinking about? Well there was a goalkeeper but I'm not going to say who that is now, because everybody will know, everybody of a certain age will know and I think it's unfair because he had a horrendous time at Stoke. Um, he, he was not very good and he was Scottish too, so uh, I'll, I'll say no more about that. <laughs> Uh, another, uh, just another quick question. What you see, as you were on the council and that, did, do you think we do enough for the people like great players from the past, like your Tony Adam, uh, Adams, Tony Allen, and players like Harry Oscroft and you know, like Freddie Steele and Neil Franklin? Because I think, like at times, we've got a lot of space on this white side that we've got around the stadium, and I just don't think that we do enough. For these kind of ex-players, I'm surprised we haven't got a statue to Freddie Steele, to be honest. And I'm just wondering what well, your thoughts are. I think one of the problems you've got is that um, a lot of people in positions of influence now uh, aren't from this city. They yeah. they don't have any uh, affinity, and I'll include I'll include the CEO with this. Um, and their their concern is only for the here and now. Some people don't think football be existed before the Premier League. Um, but I, whilst I, I agree with you that um, that we don't do enough, uh, and, and it's quite obvious when you when you see some of the events that are run. Uh, Any time the seventy two team is mentioned, people will go to a function for the seventy two team, arguably because they want something. Mm. Um, but some of the characters that we had. Um, deserve more recognition the one thing that again you you won't know this bloke john ritchie john oh, yeah, ritchie john was ritchie, yeah, yeah. A, a class goal scorer for our football club the, the best goal scorer in my life for our football club and there is a tiny statue of him well it's a bust of him at the back of the boothen where the kids use it as a goal post when they're kicking the ball and his family paid for that right the gordon bank the um Stanley Matthews statue, the money was raised by people of the city for that statue. Stoke didn't buy that statue. It's placed by Stoke and Stoke insure it. But I'm just giving an indication that over the years, um, less and less thought goes into past players. Now that doesn't just happen at Stoke. It happens a lot of clubs, although arguably some of the big clubs uh, look after their, their former their former players. But in answer to your question, I don't think we do enough. And when you saw the Hoof and Walters night, they are probably, them and John Sh uh, and Ryan Shawcross, they are probably the last of the, the people that um, 
will be recognised at Stoke in terms of having functions for them. But when you look at the ticket situation where the Stoke City Old Boys get tickets for matches, um, you ought to get Mike Pedic on your podcast at some point. He'll tell you how, how different it is. He's played at Everton, he's played at Aston Villa and Stoke. And... Uh, whilst Mike can be a grumpy person at times, uh, he's died in the wool potter and compared to the way he's looked after at other clubs, he's not looked after the same at Stoke. Now, my assumption is that's because the people in positions of influence outside the owners uh, don't have the same affinity with the previous players. The history's lost. The history's lost on these players. We got a we got a, a team that was called the ten ten pound team, yeah, the 10 pound um, team that yeah. was was one of the best teams in this in this country. Um, most people um, won't even know who that team is yeah, they, because the history Stoke, gets lost they? as you move on. Yeah. But they were all they were all people that made Stoke City great, yeah. um, and uh, I think that any any person that's worn the shirt for Stoke City. Uh, deserves a bit of recognition well they'll always get it from me um, and they'll always get it from people like you but unfortunately life moves on and you just become a part of history um, and, and consigned to the fact that you had your day and it's now somebody else's day and I think that happens in all walks of life yeah, it's it's not good enough for me. It's it, it it when you go to places like the Emirates, for example, the Arsenal new ground, and you're literally walking through history when you walk around the ground. Yeah, and, and Chelsea, he did the same well, Chelsea. Yeah. yeah, you know, and 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 you go to other clubs, even in the same division as us. You mentioned Derby, Nottingham Forest, who, who've yeah. got great history because they've won European championships um, and trophies. Uh, we we've only got 1972, the Autoglass. We've won it two times. We've lost in the <laughs> FA Cup final. And, and I still think that's something we should be proud of. Oh, it is you know, I'm, I'm proud. Of, yeah. I'm proud. Who, who scored five goals at Wembley against Bolton when we weren't given a chance? You know, that yeah. was the day dreams are made of. That every shot we had yeah. went in the net. I, we're not proud. We don't display our pride enough for me. I'm getting yeah. a bit. You know, I'm getting a bit wound up now. But I just think <laughs> Stoke has a lot Welcome going to the for it. <laughs> and, you know, Stoke have a lot going for it, and, and it I'm proud to support my football it, it club. Is, but the, the even though I'm an old person compared to you, it's my football club, and I think that we should all think it's our football club, and we should all do our best to to remember the people who have represented us with pride over the years. Well, I think it is. I mean, because like like I say, well, we've only won one trophy, which is shocking in its own its own thing, really, for how, how good the club's been. But for me, my pride comes from those legacy players that I go on about, like your Franklin, your Steeles, your, I mean, going on from that, Doddy, for example, and there's, there's others I just can't think, like yeah, even John Farmer was a legend at one point. Yeah, brilliant. The and then time. you've got Tim Coleman, scored seven goals from the wing. No other, yeah. you know, seven Thanks goals, too. played as a winger, scored seven goals. The only winger that's done that in a match. And I can remember one match, seven goals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why can't we have... I think it's a very good point and we have brought it up before but I'm going to put it on the list for the next council meeting that we have some, um, even if it's only painted murals on the walls as you go round to the to the Booden or, or go to the back of those stands uh, where we've got these legends names and we can remember them. Because that's what it should be, it should be about the legends because at the end of the day yeah. we, we aren't gleaming with trophies which is something that isn't really to be proud of but it's, it's to be proud of that we have these players that 
way brilliant and it's like Frank yeah. Sue's another one and you've got there's, there's just endless names of like players that have played three, four, five hundred times in a Stokeshire Eric Skeels I mean hardly anybody I can remember we went up to the top end didn't we and spoke to those young lads yeah he's nothing on Eric Skeels and like who's he and I'm like how do you not know no. see I'm going off you now because you don't know your history yourself Frank Sue the first person of Chinese descent to play uh, league football played at Stoke City um, yeah. Eric yeah. Skeels got more appearances in the Stoke shirt than anybody else played yeah. every position for Stoke yeah, City yeah all time Peter record all yeah absolutely brilliant player and uh, unassuming as they come and, and nobody ever mentions him it's like no. it's, that's what, that's and if you know what if you, most people saw him at the match now they wouldn't know who he is that's what I mean it's, it's ridiculous and it's I mean Mountford's another name that I could bring up and think Frank Mountford for example was it the yeah. club's entire I mean McCrory as well even though he's a bit of a a bit of a dark character for letting Stanley Matthews go but he was at the club his entire and he wasn't even from Stoke he's Scottish yeah but there's yeah. nothing. I think he's still the second all-time appearance record holder. He was taken by Skeels, wasn't he? And yeah, that's but, right. But he coached, managed the club for well over 10 years. But there's no mention of the man. Other than no, it's, that's to, very, very true. Only linked to Stanley Matthews. And it's like, fair enough, it's, money can be tight sometimes. But we've got owners that are richer than most of the people in the league. And it's like this sports council meetings. Do, do, do the owners ever pop into it every now and again? No, unfortunately they don't because um, the supporters council meetings take place uh, the morning of a match and of course they've got um, the, the reason being that they have other things to do but we do ask, they do see all the minutes. I do know Peter uh, fairly well. Um, I, I, I would say that um, Peter's like you and me. He used to walk eight miles to go to the matches. Peter's undoubtedly a Stoke fan. And always been a Stoke fan. And, and the one thing I always laugh at is when people talk about, well, throw more money in it. We know they can't at the moment because FFP. But if I'd thrown 18 million and, and Ginelli Mbula had wasted Ooh. 18 million of my money, don't I don't up, think yeah. I'd throw another penny in. Then you add on the money we threw at Wimmer and Cider Berahino. And um, I know that they're giving the money but it still must hurt I don't care if you're a billionaire oh, to lose yeah. that amount of money must still bother you well, I mean, for me, I, I mean, personally, I, I, I have been quite sort of, what's the word? Not brutal, but yeah. <laughs> I haven't been a fan of him at, in, at the times because I think that there's a man there who runs the club in Tony Scholes and I, I just don't understand how that man can still be in the club after, what, after what's happened over the last four years. I find it incredible. They, they haven't well, you're not alone there, are you? And I, and I think the only answer I can give, is, and I'm trying to be rational, I've told you my thoughts on Tony, um, they must be happy with what he's doing for the football club. Now, their reasons for keeping him must be uh, for the stability of the club and financial reasons for them, because he's the chief executive, we know he's a former accountant, he's obviously very good with accounts, although he won't do the club's accounts, but they must be happy with him. Um, and they wouldn't have put him on the board if they weren't happy with him. So uh, whilst we see certain things that go on, uh, as the owners of a business they don't, and I'm not sticking up for Tony's goals, I'm just telling you, I'm trying to give a logical reason. It doesn't make sense to me, uh, uh, People that own a, a really successful business, um, it doesn't make sense to me that they would keep him if he wasn't doing something good for them. And ultimately, it's them that matter, not us. 
Well, you're right. Well, it's been an absolutely fantastic uh, interview, Angela. We're well, hang on, I'm going to give you one more thing now because I've decided. As I've dissed one, Scott, I'm going to diss the other. It was a goalkeeper called Gordon Marshall. And you ask your dad, I'll Gordon ask dad. Marshall I'll made dad. the bad mistakes that Jack Butland's made this season <laughs> oh, with my world class save. He must be bad. Did he play for Scotland as well? He did. <laughs> oh, he did? But not many times. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant that is fantastic interview that is thanks for giving us your time and listen it's a pleasure and um, I hope everybody enjoys it and uh, can I just wish you all the best in the future oh, thank, you. thank you thank you pleasure so what a guess that was yeah very insightful. Very insightful, and then I got a bollocking <laughs> twice there as well. And one of them, I knew anyway, actually, I think you're fine. I knew Eric Skilled yeah. at the old time. I knew. Yeah. Well, yeah, very good, very good. Thanks to Angela for doing that. So, like, as we promised, we do every week, we'll talk about the ladies now. Yeah, well, it's just been a jaw today against Huddersfield. It feels like they played Huddersfield loads. Yeah, I think they played all the time. Huddersfield. Must be like played them every time in the cup I think, or something. I think they had them in the cup as well, yeah. Um, it won all draw. Apparently the goal was quite a screamer. Alabama. Alabama again. Yeah. Your name pops up all the time with the goals. Yeah. So um, uh, yeah, it's it's done a it's done a what's it again this week where it's been very lacking in the sort of knowledge, but uh, the development team they've lost four two today. Oh dear, so you see, wherever the men win, it knocks the women. <laughs> like, the men have won. Yeah. <laughs> but we've also got well, good that, news. The team. That it's the basically, team. the headline is development team. Oh, Ebsworth, sorry. Just put it, don't like highlight it so we know who they play. <laughs> Just like filter it in somewhere <laughs> on the boat. <laughs> oh, um, that's, not, that's not great then, is it? No. Um, which is a surprise for the reserves because they're normally tanking teams. Yeah, but I suppose. If you're scoring seven and eight every week, you're going to not be. You're going to leave gaps at the back. Yeah, basically, yeah. that's the thing. So, well, we've had uh, good news that's come through. Now we know who we're playing in the women's national league league cup final. It's going to be Sunderland. Uh, Charlotte Potts basically put Sunderland into the league cup final. Now I know Sunderland at the moment are the team to watch in our leagues. I think they're top and we're second. Yeah. But uh, they beat Southampton in the semi-final, so we've got them to play. Uh, there's no information on it yet of when it is or where it is, but we know we're playing now. Yeah, um, I presume it's going to be quite a good game. Sunderland are fine, aren't they? Yeah, so are we at the so time, so it's going to be a good final. It'll be a tight game. Yeah, and once we know the information of where the final is and when it is, we'll put it up on their page at some point. Right, so that's another jam-packed, massively long show. We can only apologise about the length, but I think you'll find it's worth it when you listen to Angela. Thanks for listening. Ta-ra. All the best.